Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And it's your boy, Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions. But first, Jeff. Yeah. How are you doing? Pretty good. Cool. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was uh, this. So I, I, apologize. I apologize. I I'm sorry or you're welcome. Whichever you prefer. Sometimes the spirit just takes us. Yes. <laughs> the spirit of the internet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, how are you doing? I'm, um, I'm pretty good. Um, actually, speaking of the spirit of the internet. It's <laughs> a good start to a sentence. Sure. All right. So we kind of we kind of went on a tangent uh, about uh, video games and stuff. No, yes. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but I just, I like playing video games. So I like talking about video as, games. As do I. So. As do I. Um, yeah, so so I'll, uh, if you're hearing this, um, if you want to hear our discussion about video games, it was about 30 minutes long <laughs> and about a range of topics, just keep listening after the episode ends. And yeah. then, uh, you know, but if, if you don't want to, if you want to just get into the episode, we'll get into it and then you can skip over that once the, once the ending, uh, ending yeah. music plays. Yeah. Sometimes we just kind of get going and don't realize how much time it's taking. Yeah. So aside from video games, aside from ranting about video games, Jeff, how are you doing? <laughs> not, not too bad. Not too bad. Cool. Uh, just tired from work, but it's, it's a, it's a good, like fulfilled tired, you know, it's well, like, good. it's like, good. I, you know, I'm doing my job and it's enjoyable for the most part. Yeah. Um, for me this week, I, I'm off. I'm off work oh, yeah. this week, so I've got a got a nice nice little vacation here, and um, you know I've got a bunch of stuff I can do, so I'm not going to be. It's not like I'm going to be, uh, you know, sitting around doing nothing. I've, right. I can keep myself busy, but yeah, it's cool to be able to relax a little bit and still get stuff done. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Spend more time editing podcasts. <laughs> I well, I know I do plan a lot of stuff. I've been planning on doing for a long time and not gotten around to it. I'll, I'll try to get that done this week. Sure. Um, yeah. So um, I guess you want to get into the episode. Yeah. Okay, I uh, didn't come up with anything clever for the Dragon's Horde, so Jeff, roll a d20. Okay. All right, all right, here we go. Oh, 19. Okay, you found the Dragon's Horde. Yay! Okay, our item for today was submitted by Thomas via Reddit. Thomas is the person that submitted Gunjar the Sentient Cloak. Mm -hmm. He also submitted the Cube of Patience and the Frog Stones. Although I guess he wasn't actually the one that invented the Cube of Patience, the Frog Stones. That was his friend. But he he created the uh, Sentient Cloak. Nice. Uh, So in this episode, the item he submitted was the, it's it's a sword called Optimist's Pragmatism. Hmm. It's a bit of a, bit of a wordy name, but... This item, this is an artifact. This is a powerful item. It's got some history behind it too, which I think is quite possibly the best part of artifacts. The optimist's pragmatism is the hilt and broken half foot blade of a longsword. The blade is made of steel and appears to have some runes inscribed into it, but they're illegible due to the blade's broken nature. The handle is a simple leather wrapped handle, well-worn, but still firm and sturdy. Legend tells that this once belonged to a noble warrior known as Petros the Undaunted. It was said that whenever he went into battle, whatever the odds he faced, he did it with a smile and unflinching faith that he and his companions would make it through, uh, often attempting even to make plans for after the battle with his comrades. This unbridled hope and optimism seeped into the blade he bore. And although it is now broken, suggesting that even Petros the Undaunted's hope was at one point dashed, 
Should another hero possessing a similar spirit of optimism wield the broken sword, its full length and power can be restored. Hmm. The user, because this is an artifact, this is just whenever the user wants it to be, the user may at any time call upon the optimism the blade to reforge its full length out of pure hope, hmm. giving it the same stats as a longsword with a bonus equal to the user's charisma modifier. For example, if the user has a plus 3D charisma checks, the weapon would function similarly to a plus three longsword, wow. although dealing radiant damage as opposed to slashing. Now, I, I just want to interrupt. That is freaking powerful. Yeah, that's a big deal. In in 5th edition D&D, plus three is as high as anything gets. Yeah. And technically speaking, you could have, I guess, as high as a plus five. Sure, yeah. Because um, I, don't, I don't recall if there are magic items in the Dungeon Master's Guide that increase your charisma. I know there's stuff that while you're wearing it, your strength is higher or whatever. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if the same exists for charisma. Anyway, in any case, being able to have a plus five weapon in a system that only accounts for plus three weapons yeah. is a big deal. Absolutely. Not saying that you shouldn't ever do this, but I mean, that just shows how powerful this can be. Yeah. I think I think it's slightly balanced in the fact that it's it's like charisma. So I feel like if you have so many points in charisma, you're probably not like a the fighting type. That's a good so point. So you're not going to get like the most out of that out of that benefit, but it's kind of like it, it'll kind of like even the odds a little bit, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. It takes it it lets you benefit from a dump stat. Yeah. So if you, um, I guess by dump stat I mean like a common dump stat sure. for fighters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you happen to have a high charisma, you're this lets you make use of it. Yeah. The blade returns to its broken state when the user wishes. When the blade is not reforged, it may be used as a standard dagger, dealing piercing damage, but has disadvantage when used to make a ranged attack if you were to throw, throw it, it, because okay. it is unbalanced. Okay. Which I think is a neat little touch. Yeah. As a standard action during combat, the user may attempt a charisma check, the DC being equal to the CR of the encounter. Which is a little strange, like that's... Uh, I don't think there are any other mechanics that go off of that, but, hmm. you know, hey, it can happen. Upon a success, the user fills the entire party with optimism and hope from the sword, granting them advantage on their attack rolls for a number of rounds equal to the user's charisma modifier. This may only be used once per long rest. Uh, so, you know, pretty powerful buff, but yeah. again, you have to you have to meet a DC, you have to, it's a charisma check, so, you know, if you don't have a high charisma, and so on. Uh, when reforged, the blade emits dim light for 30 feet. The blade will always emit this light when reforged. Hmm. So you, you can't reforge it and also make it dim. Like it, sure. if it's reforged, it's going to be doing it. Right. But I mean, since, since it can be reforged and forged and unforged yeah. or whatever at will, let's, you know, you're, you're usually only going to have it forged when you're in battle or something. Sure. So, sure. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Yeah. Uh, and then the, just says the actual text of the runes, because I said the sword has runes inscribed onto it, but you can't read it because it's broken. Uh, the actual text of the runes is not currently specified, so it's left to the DM's discretion should they or the players wish to further investigate the item. Sure. I really like that touch. Yeah. I think that's really cool where it's like, here's something that could be used as a plot hook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe if the users look into the runes enough, maybe they're able to find out a way to permanently reforge the sword. Sure, yeah. And maybe if they do, then like, I don't know, the spirit of Petros the Undaunted comes out or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Or, it just, or it's some clue to find out what happened to Petros or to like find out where it was made or sure, you know, sure. something like that. Yeah, so just uh, the fact that it, it gives you, there's this really cool history behind it. It has a neat effect and then it 
gives you a little bit more, just like a little bit that the DM can use if he wants to, mm-hmm. to, you know, if the players are interested enough. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so I think this is a really cool item. I, we haven't really had a long listener submitted item in mm-hmm. a while. I think this was a really cool really cool uh, addition so yeah thank and you it, very and much it, thomas and it brings me hope to uh <laughs> to future entries from other people who send us uh emails through our uh email at well so speaking of which yeah if somebody wanted to send us more <laughs> items how would they do so at uh, they'd send us an email at inter uh, interpartyconflict at gmail.com sure uh now before we get into the episode i just want to mention to everybody i want two things two things i want to mention number one i want to mention that um, in case, I mean, I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but we have a fellowship with our, uh, with our fellow podcast Crit Academy. Yes. Anybody who has not listened to Crit Academy, it's a very, very good podcast. It's mm-hmm. hosted by, uh, Justin. And I believe he just, um, as of like a day or so ago, he just posted that two of his friends, um, have just agreed to be basically be, be permanent co-hosts. Oh, nice. He had one co-host with him for the first, like maybe 10 or 15 episodes. And then that co-host, his name was Ryan. He had personal stuff he had to he had to attend to and so he he wasn't able to make the time to, for to, to, to be a permanent co-host sure um so justin he had you know some other friends feeling i i was a guest host on an episode yeah and i believe he just now two of them agreed to be permanent co-hosts so cool congratulations to them yeah so yeah if you have not listened to crit academy listen to them they're very similar format to our own they have you know they every episode they have like a, a a question that's been submitted from a listener. Mm-hmm. They talk about a, they have a topic they talk about every episode, like, a, you know, a class option or whatever. Then at the end of every episode, they have a character concept, uh, an NPC concept, a an encounter concept, a DM tip and a player tip. So every episode they have content for players and DMs that can help you be better at the game and just give you cool ideas for stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a great podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to the episode I was on, it was episode 38, which just came out a few a few weeks, maybe two or three weeks before this episode comes out. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great podcast. Check it out. They're awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I want to tell you guys about is Audible. We have a partnership with audible.com. So if you go to audibletrial.com slash conflict, you can sign up to get a free audiobook and a free month of their service. You can cancel after that if you want to. And if you do, you'll keep the audiobook. It'll be yours forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you stick with it every month, you you know, you know pay whatever the fee is, but then you get another free audiobook every month. And if you want to buy more audiobooks, you get a discount on that as well. Yeah. And I will say um, they actually have a good uh, book return policy too. Oh. Like it, at the very least in, in, in the case, uh, in my case, um, there was a, there was a book I got. Uh, it's like, it's like a, it was a course on like vocabulary and stuff like that. And sure. anybody hears me talk, I sometimes have issues with words. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I'll try this vocabulary thing. And like, I was like, Oh, it's something I can listen to on my, at work. Cause I'm in the car all the time. Sure. Sad thing is, is like, you know, when I'm look, looking for something to listen to in the car, I want something that's going to last a few hours or something yeah. like that. And this particular course was like, it's like maybe at most 30 minutes a oh. chapter and each chapter, it, like it's advised that you only listen to one a day. It's hmm. because like you are, they are giving you a lot of information all at once. And so like, it's so like, it wasn't bad. I, I still, I like, if I could remember it, I would recommend it. Maybe I'll bring it up next time. But but like it, it, it's still recommended for somebody who wants to take the time to have like who has a little time every day to do something like that. But because I'm like I'm on the road and I'd rather just put something on and not have to like fiddle with my, you know, with my phone while I'm driving, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like and so this isn't super working out for me, you know. Uh, and I was like, well, and I use that credit. But then I looked. It was like, oh, you can return. It's like I think it's like 
I think it's either six months or 12 months. Oh my goodness. That you just, you're just like, you know what? No, I don't want this. And so they're like, all right. And they gave me my credit back and I used that to put it towards a different one. That's really cool. Like, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And like, I don't know. I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any other rules to it. I mean, but it like, but again, in my case, it was as easy as like, I had the thing and I had it for like a month and, yeah. and read maybe a few and only like listened to a few chapters of it. So I like, I put some time into it. So it's not even like, oh, like, oh, if you read half of it, you have, you can't, you have to keep it. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm not sure what the specifics of it are, but I was able to then just be like, you know what? No, I don't want this. And they give it me a credit and I can use it on a completely different thing. And I, you know. So like so like so that was pretty cool. That's really cool. I imagine there's probably something in place to keep people from abusing it, but the fact yeah. that the fact that they are willing to do that and it's not like you had to go through this long and difficult process for it, it really shows me that they they you know, they they are they stand by their product. Yeah. Um, um I I do have uh I'm not finished with it, but I do have a recommendation and it's not game related. Mm-hmm. This is this is actually more related to what might be at the end of the episode where okay. I, where where it's more just about uh my <laughs> my anger and emotions towards things or anything. Sure. But basically this this was a book where the author was on like they, they were like interviewing the author on like NPR or something like that. I thought that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh the book uh, the book is called Why Buddhism is True. Okay. And it's by Robert Wright. Yeah, so the full the full title is Why Buddhism is True Buddhism is True The Science and Philosophy of Meditation and Enlightenment. Now, it is not it is not like a spiritual guide to Buddhism or anything like that. It's much more of a it's actually more of a closer look at uh behavioral evolution. Okay. So it's it's there's not like super technical science stuff in it and there's not like super like spiritual like, you know, philosophy stuff in it. It's more just a like it's more a look into your thoughts, your feelings, and how your feelings can sometimes uh, misguide you a little bit. But there's a reason why you have these feelings. Like there's an evolutionary reason why you have these feelings, mm-hmm. and how you can use that to kind of like, kind of game the system of of your of your you know, uh, of your mind or something like that. That's kind of cool. It's neat. I mean, like you know, if you know, obviously if that's not your bag, it's not your bag. But like I was, I was like I like hearing the interview i was like that's kind of interesting take on something like this and like things like meditation and stuff like that and like if if at the very least it can help me better understand why i feel ways sometimes yeah yeah it's you know it's beneficial so yeah i think a lot of people assume that stuff like buddhism or even just meditation has to be like a spiritual thing and if you're not religious it doesn't have to be it's really just just like learning to organize the thoughts in your head. Yeah. You know, so, and everybody can benefit from something like that. Yeah. So in, in this book, the, the, the example he always goes to is sugary donuts is powdered, powdered donuts. Okay. Like he, he uses that as his big example of like, so I have, I like powdered donuts, but they're not good for me. Like why, why do I have this want for something that's not good for me? Hmm. It's like, and like, I know it's not good for me, yeah. but yet I always want to have it. And like, I know that, they like they make the powder donuts make me happy, but I know that the happiness will not last because it's not good for me. And like you know, I'll I'll want a donut again after that. And then, yeah. and so I like so it's like um, there I forget what it's called. It's like a uh, 
some sort of treadmill or something like that. I forget what the term is. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it, right. it basically it's like it's the endless cycle of searching for happiness and stuff. And like we all we all know this. Like we all know that like, okay, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna want that video game. Yeah. But then after I'm done playing that video game, I'm gonna want the next video game. And I'm just kinda like, I'm never you're you're happy for moments, but not forever. And it's sort of like you gotta you gotta learn to I guess think outside that I haven't gotten through the whole thing, honestly. But it's just sort of like this, uh, like idea of like you know, like evolutionarily, we were like, okay, we we think sweet things are great because the only sweet thing we had access to long like hunter gatherer was fruit, and okay. fruit is mostly is good for us, yeah. you know, and so it's like okay, but like that that want for sweet things was developed when before junk food was around, yeah, and so yeah. now junk food's around, and so we want we have this need for junk food. When it's bad for us. Because our brains were hardwired to want sweet things yeah. back when sweet things were good for us. Yeah. So this is one of the this is one of the behavioral uh, evolutionary things that he talks about. So it's, okay. like it's, it's pretty interesting. So yeah, interesting. I mean, if if this at all interests you, I, I so far I'd recommend it. I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but the narrator's decent. Mm-hmm. The writing seems to be good. I mean, like, the, like he goes into a lot of like paradoxes and stuff like that. And like the mm-hmm. like. He like explains there's like there's a paradox in in some of the things he talks about and he's like he explains a paradox and then he, like he gives an example of one and then I, like af- after he gave that example I was immediately like, like oh my gosh and then and then right after I sighed the narrator went on to say if this made you if this made you frustrated in any way you might want to stop listening because there's just <laughs> there's just so many paradoxes in the, in these in these in these things and I'm sure. like oh my goodness so you said it was called why buddhism is true right yeah it's uh, by robert white uh robert wright sorry with the w okay why buddhism is in the show notes. yeah why buddhism buddhism is true the science and philosophy of meditation and enlightenment uh, enlightenment so i don't know it's it's definitely not Something like it's not that it's not on topic, but sure, no, that's that's fine. But it happened to be something I came across and am enjoying for the for the most part. So. Okay, and I'll just say, um, like my pick for this week would probably be uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gods. Mm. It is currently a TV show. I think it's like at, they're currently at their like mid season break or whatever. Oh. But uh, it's a it's a pretty good show. Basically, it's um the show and a book. The it's story the story follows this ex con who gets out of jail. Um, finds out that his wife died in a car accident, so he doesn't have anybody waiting for him when he gets out. And then um, he starts working for this, like, strange man who calls himself Mr. Wednesday hmm. and finds out that while working for this guy, he finds out that there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that he might not have expected. So there's, like, some supernatural stuff. I won't really get too into it because it's sort of a spoiler. Sure. But, um, you know, he basically is, he kind of finds out that there's just more to the world than most people are willing to acknowledge mm. um but yeah and it's it's a it's neil game and it's it's fantasy it's kind of like a dark fantasy but it's it's pretty good sure all right um so yeah you want to get into some questions yeah let's do it <laughs> we're an, an hour, hour into the recording yeah this is an hour into the recording don't worry about it i'll oh see what goodness. i can do in editing but we'll, we'll, don't worry about it oh my goodness all right so this question comes from nicholas p yeah, after after <laughs> our two episodes ago when we said that uh, that we didn't have any, we only had like one more question from him. He he delivered. He sent me a whole bunch of uh, questions. <laughs> so thank you very much, Nick. We appreciate it. Hi, Nick. <laughs> we missed you. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> uh, he asks. Uh, this is 
through email. It's interpartyconflict at gmail.com. <clears throat> Which do you prefer and or think is better? A more grounded campaign that is that mostly sticks to one location like a city or a campaign where the party is traveling to different places. So, yeah, the very beginning of the question is which do you prefer and or think is better? To be perfectly honest, I, I don't have an answer to that because I like them both yeah. for different reasons. Right. I, I would say if I had to pick one, mm-hmm. ass- assuming that they are both done well. Yeah. I would say my preference would be um, a, a grounded campaign that sticks to one location like a city. Yeah. If there was a campaign where the entire campaign took place in one city, I would be all over that. Mm-hmm. That being said, that's very hard to do and keep interesting. Sure. So the fourth edition campaign that we've mentioned several times that I ran, um, I ran for, a f- you know, six or seven sessions last year in 2016 yeah was uh, it was the shackled city which was a third edition adventure path that it doesn't entirely take place in one city uh-huh. but the majority of it takes place either in the city or right around the city yeah so it's it's pretty contained in that regard there's some plane hopping stuff in the second half but for the most part you're dealing a lot with the stuff in that city mm-hmm. and i love that i love when you can take one thing and really just like mine everything out of it possible. Mm. If I could give an example of something similar, this is not a, a campaign or a game or whatever, but the TV show Arrested Development. Okay. Yeah. Really with Arrested Development? Yeah. Yeah. That show has this amazing ability to show you a scene in one episode or like at the beginning of an episode and then show you that same scene later on from a different context, like from a different angle. And you realize that there is more to it than you thought there was. Hmm. And then they might even like in the, the last season of it, they do that with, there's this one particular scene that you see parts of that scene. Probably I want to say four or five different times. Each time you realize that there is more stuff going on in that scene Uh than the previous time. And I think that kind of an approach to a, a story or that kind of an approach to a collaborative game mm-hmm. is so cool when you're able to take one thing and then there's always one more stone you can look under. Yeah. There's always one more door you can open. There's always one more window you can look through. The more that you can get out of one setting, the better. Because the more players are familiar with it, the more they're going to be invested in it. Right. And so the more that they keep finding, the more they're going to keep looking for. Yeah. So I... I love that type of setting. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, you're just, it's a, it's a small pool, but it's very deep. Yes. Now, like I said, it can be very hard to do that. It can yeah. be very hard to keep one location interesting. Yeah. It could, yeah. It could get boring really easily. Yes. You know, um, another thing, kind of, kind of like the rest of development thing I was talking about. Anytime a movie takes place entirely in one location, I'm on board. Mm. because that that tells me that the movie isn't trying to get viewers through flashy special effects sure, yeah. or through interesting locations. It's all about the writing and the characters. Yeah, you, you know that they're at least trying to make, yeah, like make make the character development better or, you know, or the they're trying to they're trying to focus on the story, not the not the visuals. Exactly. So like th- this 
isn't the greatest example because I don't think it was the greatest movie, but there was a movie with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds called Buried, where the entire movie from beginning to end is Ryan Reynolds wakes up in a coffin. He has been buried alive and there is a phone with him. And the whole movie is close-ups on him as he's trying to figure out by people who call him on this phone or people he's calling on the phone, trying to figure out how he got there, where he is, who's going to come and save him, and and so on. Yeah. Again, I don't think that that particular movie is a very good movie. I can't even remember that movie. It, it didn't really... I know I, wasn't I, know I haven't popular. seen it. But the idea that the writer was confident enough in the characters and in the writing mm-hmm. that they were willing to make a movie that is just one guy and like you hear two or three other people's voices on the phone. Yeah. That never is like, it. it never like cuts away or anything like that. I, not that I recall maybe at the very beginning and the very end, but I don't think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was just, just the one. And I mean like, yeah, I feel, I, I feel like that that's a movie that that's like, like it's, it's a cool, it's a cool idea, but I, I feel like like inherently that's not going to do super well. Yeah, it was it was a risky thing. Okay, it, it, yeah, it's because like you're putting somebody in very enclosed space, and like you're basically forcing the the the, the audience to do the same. Yeah, like because like you want to know what else is going on going on outside this place, but you can't escape, and that's really that can be frustrating and like it. I mean, it was it stressful. was it was a suspense movie, so yeah. I mean, you know that's, the, that's what they were going for. Yeah, exactly, but, but yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like there's not a huge audience for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's done like insanely well, sure. Um, but then again, I know nothing of making movies, so <laughs> I get. Wait, wait, weren't you in video for a long time? That's, I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> I did animation stuff in there, and okay, I, okay. That, and I didn't do very good at that either. So, gotcha. <laughs> um, so I, like my point is, if you if you can introduce the players to a setting, like a city or whatever, mm-hmm. and if if you are willing, if you as the DM um, are willing to go in depth enough to give every single character an interesting but you know every single npc an interesting backstory mm-hmm. and some business for them to be doing sure and some sort of like a plot twist or whatever the if you are willing to put in that much work i think that this can be so good yeah because again it's like if if the players realize that there is all of this stuff they're going to want more and that's what you want your players to want yeah. i think that's most important is one is making it so your players want to stay yes because you could you could pour all this work into this one location and then they want to and then they're like i want to go to the plane of fire <laughs> like i'm sorry what like I want to go to the plane of fire. Let's go to the plane of fire. Why can't we go to the plane of fire? I have this ability that lets me create a player, a, a portal of the plane of fire. Why can't we just go do that? Yeah. And you're like, oh. I mean, there there is a distinction between a campaign that takes place in a city yeah. and a campaign where the players are re- restrained to, or that they are they are restricted to only be in one city. Right. Yeah. Now that being said, uh, if there was a campaign where like the entire outside world was cut off. I'm on board. I'm raising my hand. I'll play in that <laughs> campaign. But again, that's something that would be hard to do. The, my The thing that gets me on board for these is less that I think the idea is cool, although I do think the idea is cool. It's more that if I know that the writer is that confident in what they can do, that's what I want. That's that's the kind of, of camp. That's the kind of story I want to see. Hmm. So if a DM was like, okay, guys, I want to run a campaign where you are stuck in one city, <laughs> I'm on board. I, I just, I just thought of a, I was just thinking of a campaign idea 
But then I realized it was an episode from uh, The Next Generation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where, where it's like, um, I, I think it's the, I think it's, uh, it's like a, it's a Wesley episode. Is it, is it a Wesley episode or a Dr. Crusher episode? Maybe it's a. Dr. I think. I, anyway, go, go on. Go it, on. It, I think I know what episode you're talking it's about. It's like it's like one where like somebody's stuck in the inter, in a version of the Enterprise that's slowly getting eaten by a bubble or something like yes. that. Yes. And so it's like, well, would that be cool if like if like the players were in this city that was then teleported to like some unknown plane that was slowly getting smaller and like outside the edge of the of the of the existence of that plane, like it, it was like a it was like the. It was like the opposite of a sphere of annihilation where everything outside the sphere was <laughs> yes. annihilated. It's like a dome of annihilation. Yeah, a dome of annihilation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think we got an item for next week's Dragon Horde. <laughs> the Jeff. dome of annihilation where everything outside of it is. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, like, I think that could be really interesting. I think if you can get across, like, the feeling of claustrophobia to your mm-hmm. players, I think that's that's a, a powerful thing th- that you can do. Yeah. Um, if you can, yeah, any sort of like instinctual guttural feeling that you can instill in your players like that, that could be a powerful thing to use in your campaign if that's what you're going for. Yeah. If you're going for like a more serious, a darker campaign, that would be really cool to like restrict your characters to being in one specific location. Heck, if there was a, there was even like, even just like a single adventure where the entire adventure was in one room. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. That to sounds me. crazy. Now, the Saw movies kind of have a lot of baggage along with them, but the very first Saw movie, for anybody who has not seen it or who might have been turned off because of the idea of the Saw movies, you know, being like torture porn and so on. Yeah. The very first Saw movie, the premise is these two characters wake up in like a bathroom, yeah. some sort of like abandoned bathroom. Each of them is chained to the opposite side of the room. There are clues left in the room for them to figure out how they got there, why they're there, and if they're going to escape, they have to work together to put those clues together and figure out how to escape that room. That in and of itself is an amazing concept, but it's hard to pull off, which is probably why each Saw movie, the scope has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. to the point where it's no longer about people being trapped in this room. It's about like, oh, there's this giant like government, not necessarily government conspiracy, but there's like this giant, you know, conspiracy around this guy that's building all these death traps. Right, yeah. There's all these factions working against each other and so on. Yeah. But that idea of just like characters trapped in a room where they have to really explore the room to, in order to figure out what's going on. I think that's so cool. And so if you can translate that into a whole campaign... That's really cool. Yeah. I think with that, like, it was like, it seems like when, when a movie has that sort of like, almost like cult, like a cult fame, you know, Mm -hmm. like it becomes a cult classic sort of a thing. Like, you know, they, any, any further, any further installments of it are mostly just going to be like building on the lore to kind of play, like, you know, play to the fans and everything like that. So like, yeah, like I get it. But, um, I mean, I get, I guess in the opposite way. Traveling between planes sounds awesome. That is also awesome. Like, yeah. I, I can't fault that one either. Or exploring a continent that has, like, rich history and things yeah. like that. You get to meet different, different you know, civilizations and things like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of fun in world building. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of fun in ex- exploring the, a world somebody has built, you know. So, like, that, that – and then, like, there's endless possibilities. Yeah. And it's – I mean, it's, it's, it's I guess, easier – 
because uh, you you know it's easier to come up with stuff because you can just kind of you know it's just like what's a new idea okay yeah. the players go and do this i mean like so on i guess i shouldn't say easier but i mean it's it's, it's i would say there's a lower bar for entry sure sure it, like it's probably equally as hard to like make it it's, interesting it's just as hard to do it well yeah but if you're not worried about doing it well it is easier just just to just roll with it yeah just like that you know you you like if you want your players to be in a different spot, you you give them a portal to another plane or something yeah. like that. So we've we've talked in the past, like in in when we were playing with Jay and everything, we've talked many times about having a campaign where our characters are travelers, like an episodic yeah. campaign. We even at one point we're going to have it be that we had like an airship, sure. and so every episode, well, every every session was going to be like another episode, yeah. Where it's the session starts out with okay, we show up in a new town, mm-hmm. and then we learn what what that town is. And that has its own, you know, advantages and disadvantages, but like that has its own charm too. Yeah. I really like the idea of that. Just like I also like the idea of having it in one location. Yeah. So they both can be done well. They both can be done uh, poorly. If I had to choose one and they were both done well, I would probably say the one location is because I don't think that gets done as much. Sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, like the more you can do with one space, the better. But at the same time, if you've put a lot of work into building a whole continent, yeah, I want to hear about that. I want to see what sort of stuff you've you've worked out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I want to know the the history of that place. Absolutely. So like there isn't there isn't a a, a great single answer because both options are really good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Our next question comes from Average Bonnie, I believe is is how the A V G Bonnie A V G Bonnie, which yeah, that, I think it's Average Bonnie. That's my that's my guess. Uh, feel free to correct us. Uh, but, yes. Uh, anyway, uh, this was on Reddit. Uh, awarding inspiration. When should I do that? Help me inspire others. Yes. So this kind of goes well with the the item from the Dragon's Horde. Actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, inspiration is a fifth edition mechanic that I would say is is underused. Now, of course, I haven't played in a ton of fifth edition games, but true. Everybody that I have talked to has 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 less of an idea of what inspiration is or yeah. what it should be than I think the, the rules assume you will. Mm. So the way that inspiration works is anytime a DM wants to, the DM can award a player inspiration. Yeah. You either have it or you don't. If you get it once, you can't get it a second time and then have it twice. Like you either have it and then you use it and then you get it again and then you use it and then you get it again or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you you either have it or you don't. Right. You can't stock up on it. Exactly. So, uh, so if you have it, use it. Yeah. That's, that's the lesson here. So the DM can give out inspiration really kind of whenever they see fit. And when you have inspiration, you can spend it to give yourself advantage on any one role. Yeah. So anytime you're like, okay, there's a really important role I need to succeed. Or even, I'm, I think the rules even say that you could, if you roll poorly, be like, I'm going to spend my inspiration and then add in a second die. Sure. Okay. That might not be what it was yeah. intended, but I'm sure lots of people play it that way. Yeah. I say go for it. Yeah. 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 So so when you have inspiration, you can spend it to give yourself basically a really good chance of succeeding on one, one D20 roll. Yeah. Can't you also transfer it to somebody else? I don't think so. I think that's specific to the l- lucky feat. Was that? Okay. I think. You want me to look it up? Yeah, we don't need it. Okay. I don't I don't think you can. Okay. Um but anyway, I think so this question is asking, you know, when should I give out inspiration? I'm just going to say right now, give it out 
all the time. Yeah. The more you give it out, the more the players will use it. And then the more you can give it out. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I would argue for it. Use it as much as like, give it out as much as possible, as much as you feel like, you know, makes sense. Like, cause like the, the idea is like, you're using things like the, the flaws and like the background traits and things like that. Exactly. That's, that's the more me- like the closer to a mechanic part of it is like, if they, if they play to one of their flaws or play to one of their traits or, or, uh, I forget what the other bonds or ideals. Yeah, 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 bonds and ideals. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they play to one of those, you that would be a an example of when to give them an inspiration. Exactly. So then the book the book says this is this is one way to do it. Or if there's if they do something particularly like inspiring, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, like if they do something that's like that was unexpected, and where you're like, that's really cool. That's a cool idea. Or like, or maybe even like. That's a cool idea. It's not going to work, but that's a cool idea. Here's an inspiration point. Like, you know, it's like you you thought of a, a cool – you thought of a cool solution to this problem. It didn't work, but it was a cool idea. Here, have this point. You know, right. You'll use, you'll use it to get yourself out of the jam you just got yourself in, you yeah. know, or something like that. So. Yeah. Back in the third edition days, I would often as a DM and then pretty much every group that I played in would do this too – if a player did something that like surprised me as the DM, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, here, have have 100 experience points. Right. Yeah. A little and bonus then, experience. Yeah. yeah. And then over time that would add up and maybe that player would level up a session before everybody else. But yeah. then at the same time, all the other players were doing clever stuff, too. So that was a reward that I would use back in third edition. You know, if mm-hmm. someone did something clever, if they did something that surprised me, if they did something that similarly it is in keeping with their character even if it is detrimental to them. Right. They'd be like, well, my character is afraid of spiders. So my character is going to abandon the party and run in and hide in that closet for a round because we're fighting a spider. Yeah. So in that case, if, if I felt the player was taking a big, uh, you know, a, a big disadvantage to themselves, I would give them experience in fifth edition. I think that's really the best use for inspiration Mm. because, you know, giving out inspiration, giving out experience points has its own, downsides yeah you know it, it can unbalance things and also you might not be you might not be running as a game that uses experience points maybe you level sure. up every two or three sessions or something yeah you use milestones instead exactly of experience so in that case you might want to just give out inspiration as oh you did something cool that surprised me have inspiration yeah and then they'll use it and then they'll be trying to do more stuff to surprise you yeah like and i feel like that can't be taken advantage of too much because you can only have it or not have it you can't yeah. stock up on them so even if people are like i th- and i think we've talked about this before and i want to say you brought this up where it was like the only real way to kind of take advantage of it if it, if it was like you're doing it like every round or something like that like you're <laughs> in guess. combat and it's like okay this round i'm going to attack i'm going to use my inspiration to attack with advantage okay now i don't have a you know now i don't have inspiration the next round i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to act out my flaw and i get my <laughs> right, inspiration right. back so you're like so you're skip you're skipping every, uh, you know every other round you're skipping your turn so that every other round you get a, you get advantage and that's that's only even if the dm is giving it out that often and i mean like i don't i don't see I don't see a super re- reason why not to, as as long as they're not like doing the same thing every time or something like that. Yeah. As long as they're getting somewhat creative with it, I feel like that's fine. Like you're 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 cheesing it out a little bit, but I mean, like, it's <laughs> if, if a player is putting in enough work, yeah, to che- quote unquote cheese out the role playing aspect of the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take it. Yeah. So that's mean, my attitude. I like as as somebody who always has you know issues with roles. 
like whether I'm getting good roles or bad roles, like I just like just the 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 spirit of the role always just like ah like I, like I want to do this cool thing and my character's built for this exact thing, but there's a chance it it won't work. Yeah. So any any time I can get something like advantage, I'm like I'm like yeah I gotta I gotta figure <laughs> out how to get that as much as possible. So see that's one of the reasons I liked fourth edition. Depending on what what role you were filling. Mm. It was possible to make a character that did not have to succeed on any roles <laughs> in order to fulfill their role. You could play a warlord that gave all of your attacks to other players or gave oh, people yeah. free movement or like free stat buffs or whatever. Yeah, that warlord didn't, is cool. Didn't actually require any roles. Yeah, yeah. And like if you're a fighter, even if you miss on your attack, you still marked the opponent and now they're going to take a penalty unless they attack you, which is exactly what you want them to do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so I love, I don't even know what point I was trying to make, but, uh, <laughs> I, I love when players play to their, you know, to their character. And if they, if that means that I can award them with, you know, a bonus to, you know, an extra die when they're rolling an important thing, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I, I feel like, if there's any, if there's ever a point where something a player does makes you go oh, or makes you laugh, even <laughs> yeah. like even if it's just something entertaining or something like that, you know, maybe not getting too goofy because there's plenty of times when people just go, like the goof meter goes, you know, sure, goes sure. crazy, and then it, and then it all becomes just like jokes and things like that. Which yeah, that's a good point. For some groups, is fine, but others, it's like all right, all right, all right let's let's settle down and you know play this game we want to play. Yeah. Um. But yeah, any time. You know, anytime some a player does something ex- that you f- think is exciting or you think adds to the game, or you know, it, like it's, or even if even if you don't think it's great, but everybody else seems to think it's great, maybe <laughs> right. that maybe that's worth giving on the point because it, as long as as long as most of the people are having a good time, you know, that's you know something to maybe encourage. Yeah. So yeah, like give it out as often as as you feel like it. Anytime a player does something that you think is cool, give it out. If you start to feel like you're giving it out too much, just don't give it out as much. Yeah, just dial it's it back a little bit. One of the because because they can't stock they can't stock up on it. There is no stakes. Like the, the worst thing that happens is they have it and then they spend it and then they don't have it anymore. Right. That's it. And I mean, like it is a sort of like a consumable thing, so they might not use it all the time. Like they might hold on to it yeah. more, so that you you might not have to give it out. I guess as much. Right. But. I, I do, I do want to say there's a way to like transfer it between people. I think, that, but anyway. I mean, I we can take a moment. I can look it up. And yeah, just double check it, I guess, because I, like I feel like that was a thing. But breaking news, everybody. <laughs> Jeff was correct. I just whipped out my player's handbook, and it does say, uh, additionally, if you have inspiration, you can reward another player for good role playing, clever thinking, or simply doing something exciting in the game. When another player character does something that really contributes to the story in a fun and interesting way, you can give up your inspiration to that, uh, to give that character inspiration. So, yeah. So if you have inspiration, you can reward it to another player. Yeah. So, so yeah, in the case of maybe the DM doesn't think it's that great, but you think it's awesome. You're like, Hey, take that inspiration. (laughs) There you go. Or like, if you're, if you're like that, uh, like steal the show kind of player, you know, like if you're, if you're the one that not kind of dominates the role playing, you know, you're not really trying to steal the show but it kind of ends up that way you can kind of use that as a way to be like you know to kind of like share some of the love you know like so (laughs) it's like you can you can be constantly playing up your character specifically to give everyone else inspiration (laughs) you're just (laughs) 
But the only thing is both of these assume that the DM is like purposely not giving out inspiration to certain people, which Uh I think is that's a weird it's a weird situation that I don't think would arise very often. It it might just be like that particular DM has like strict idea, like strict ideas about what deserves inspiration, I guess. And then but like, you know, but then I don't know. At that point, they could be like, hmm, if he's just going to give it out, I'm not going to give it to him, you know. <laughs> right, right. But eh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But if you ask me, I think you should give out inspiration all the time. Yeah. It encourages players to do, to, to think outside the box, encourages players to do cool things. Mm-hmm. If they start, you know, just trying to always ham it up, you yeah. know, then, then, then it, dial it back. And it gives them an, an advantage role so that they could do the cool thing that they want to do and, and not, you know, and not just have it turn into a, I rolled a three. Exactly. It's like, oh, I'm going to save the day with this cool attack I've been saving and I rolled a two. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. No, I got an advantage. I'm going to use advantage on this time. But it's like, all right, I rolled a three and a four, but eh, well, at least I had a, a, a higher chance. It was yeah. exciting for a split second. Now the dice really hate you. Yes. Now they, <laughs> now they, now I know they hate me. Yes. All right. Before we close out the episode, Mm -hmm. I would like uh, you and I, Jeff, to take a moment. Mm. Let's let's calm down the the atmosphere here. Uh Let's take a take a moment and let's let's think about the heroes that have come before us Mm -hmm. and who have laid down their lives for the good of us as we go to the funeral pyre. All right, so this funeral pyre story is a short one. So, you know, this might be a long episode, so so I apologize, everybody. But um, <laughs> this one was submitted by Dieg234, D-I-E-G-234 on Reddit. Deeg. I don't know. It's like Diego, but without the O or oh. Deeg. I'll say Deeg. So this one was submitted by Deeg234 on Reddit. Dig234 says, in a game of GURPS Tune, GURPS, I'll take a brief moment, GURPS is uh, the generic universal role-playing system. It's Mm -hmm. a role-playing game that is, in theory, so generic, you can do anything, so universal, you can do any kind of game with it. Sure. So this is the the Tune version of GURPS, so I'm guessing (laughs) it is a cartoon-themed version. Uh In a game of GURPS Tune, we had a character flattened by a steamroller <laughs> that appeared out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. This was in the bathroom of a home we were exploring. What? So as soon as the character opened the door to the bathroom, a full-on steamroller busted through the door and flattened him. <laughs> and then I'll mention that this uh, this had a reply because I, I posted a, a thread about this. The reply was, I so desperately want to play GURPS tunes for this exact reason. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I was yes. like, like, how would that even happen? Oh, right, cartoons. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, there are plenty of times where it's like they're going down a hallway of doors and they open up a door and there's like a giant monster and then they close the door quickly and they're like, then mm. they open up another one and there's a train coming yes. at them. <laughs> but then they close the and then the train never comes through it or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. So our last few uh, submissions for this were, were um, more somber or, or serious. So yes. I figured, hey, a, a goofy, goofy cartoon one would be good. So let's raise our glasses. In, in memorance of the unnamed tune that got flattened by steamroller. All right. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the funeral pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, a running list of questions asked, and important links, go to interpartyconflict.com. 
Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, or our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, where I post weekly discussion questions for you. We're also on Twitter at inpartyconflict. Now, I realized something. After last week when I told you uh, about the new revelation about our, our name. Oh, right. Yeah. Our Twitter handle works for either. Sure, yeah, yeah. So There you go. <laughs> We're also on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and YouTube. Anywhere you download podcasts, you can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you feel like donating, we have a PayPal donate button on our website. Anything you can give us would go towards making the podcast better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, would you like to tell us about FriendQuest? FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games. Um yeah, and we actually have plans to uh, to record another another game pretty yes, soon. So, because so. I'm not working this week, I'm sure we can sure we can find some time to so, come yeah. up with something. So I yeah, look forward to that whenever I get around to editing and <laughs> editing it. Which you know, I, it's all right. Yeah, all right. And then uh, you can head over to audibletrial.com/slash/conflict for uh, to get yourself a free audiobook. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. I guarantee you can find something you like 100% for free. You can mm-hmm. always get that audiobook, then cancel your subscription. And not have paid anything. Yep, and you get to keep the you get to keep the book, or the book. you can apparently just return it and get a different one. There you go. It's, Don't abuse it, but hey, if, right. if you you can get something you want for free, and that's you're guaranteed to find something you want. You might still have to have a, you might have to have an active like uh, oh, trial or or a subscription going to do it. And I and I want to say you have to do it on like a like a desktop browser sort of situation. Gotcha. Like you can't do it. It wouldn't let me do it on the app, but it let me do it on the browser. But okay. it was like as easy as like as once I found where to go, it was like okay, and it just sent me an email and said you got your credit back. So. Cool. Okay. And then uh, finally, our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, till next time. Um, When you're in the bathroom, just watch out for steamrollers. (laughs) There you go. So I have this cycle that I go through um, and a lot of people are probably familiar with it. They probably go through it. It's, you know, similar thing. People, a lot of people on the internet go, go through something similar. It's like, it's the hype cycle. Okay. You get hyped for like a video game or a movie or something like that. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, uh, I haven't, I haven't gone this extreme on it in a while. Like. All right, I'll I'll just I'll just start I'll start from the beginning. Okay, there's a, there's a little game you might you might have heard of called Spore. Hmm. Yeah, that does sound familiar. <laughs> so uh, so back in the uh, like I think this was like in, I think it came out around like 2003. I want to say. Okay. No, that's no not no right. that was that was no too no early, too I'm, early. I'm sorry. That's uh, it'd be like 2007. I think. Okay. Seven or eight. But anyway. I, I like I was really I was really into this game. I was excited for it to come out and it like I like I heard about it like three years before it came out or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I want I want to say that's right because it was around two thousand five that and they, if I'm not mistaken, the first gameplay videos were so cool. The, I mean like for at the time absolutely they were really cool and the like all the concepts were really great and everything and like, you know, I, I followed the game for years. I was on fan sites. Mm-hmm. And like people were like super excited about it. There was a lot of hype behind it, and I spent a lot of my time. I, I remember I was I was at a desk job at the time, so it was like in a, like it was a desktop that like 
my work didn't involve I didn't involve much actual like input for okay. me. Yeah. Like I would set up at the beginning and then just sit around, wait for something to break. And at the end of the day, I would turn everything off. Sure. So most of the time was spent and like even my supervisor was on like not my space at the time. <laughs> And so, like, I spent a lot of time on forums talking about this game, Spore, and I'm like, this is so, this is going to be so cool. And, like, the game came out, and there was some pretty co- cool things about it, but it was just not a it, – It was not what had been – advertised yeah yeah it definitely was not what everybody had hoped for and it was it's a hype it's a hype thing you know um and then more people might know of more recently some uh no man's sky yeah yeah which amazingly right now actually it just came out with an update Mm -hmm. and it it now it is now the at the very least within the last couple days or, or uh within the last week i think was um a top seller in steam oh and they put it on sale too. Sure, which sure. helps. That'll do it. Uh, it's like a new, a new update, and they put it on sale, so more people were giving it giving it a shot. And uh, and I would also assume because the, because of some of the changes they made to it and additions they made to it, that people who originally bought it and then got a refund, maybe it were like, all right, I'll give it another shot. Yeah. But in any case, but yeah, now it's like um, mostly positive reviews on the recent reviews. Sure. But anyway, like, yeah, but people got, like, really excited about this game. It was really ambitious. Very small team. Very ambitious game. Yeah. And, like, was, like, in that case, it was definitely, they were advertising it as much more than it was. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think, I want to say it has to do with some of the inexperience of the team. Because it was just a small team and they haven't really done much and they haven't done something that big and that 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 got that much publicity that they didn't exactly know like the politics of of you know of announcing sure, and talking sure. about a game because they there might be a feature that they want to include they think they can include it but it's not 100% and maybe they talked about it beforehand and then it turned out they couldn't do it and then right. you know which which if they were more experienced they would know not to have Given out stuff like that until they were more sure about right. it, right? Or, or to be, yeah, or to be clear that this is like this is something we're hoping to put in it. But like, a lot of a lot of developers do that. Like, um, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who made who like made the Fable games. Like he talked, he talked so big about Fable, and then it was mm-hmm. nowhere near as close as he was, ta- you know, saying it was gonna. And then Fable Two was coming out, and he talked so big about that, like, oh, it's gonna be all the things that Fable was supposed to be, and it was nowhere near that. Yeah. And then Fable Three, and he like, so he was getting closer to like by the time Fable Three came around, it was closer to what Fable One was what he was originally supposed to be, but he had already sold millions of copies of three games yeah, on a false yeah. promise sort of a thing. And then it's just, it, it's just, it's the whole, it's the whole drama of like pre-orders. Sure. Like, and early access and uh, paid DLC and microtransactions. And so like anytime I start investing myself in, into waiting for a game, like these, all these things always pop up and it always just, it always just exhausts me. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'll say right now it, in most cases, Things like DLC, paid DLC, my microtransactions, and pre-order bonuses and stuff like that don't bother me. Yeah. They really don't. Like, the particular game I am currently waiting for is um, the uh, Lord of the Rings Shadow of War. 
Okay. Which is the sequel to the Shadow of Mordor game, which yeah. which which fairly successful. Like it's got it's got a really it's got some really cool features to it, and it's very fun. I I've spent a lot of hours on it, still, and I still play it a lot actually. Yeah, I I bought it um, when it was on sale, and I I only put a few minutes into it. I've been meaning to go back to it, but it's you know it's a it's a you know it's an action RPG or you know it's an action RPG RPG with you know it's like the it's the fighting system is very much like you know Assassin's Creed or, or like Batman Arkham Asylum right you know it's it's which is Warner Brothers and Warner you know Warner oh, yeah. Brothers owns the uh, you know the the content and everything sure um, I'm going sorry I'm taking so long on this. no it's fine dude. okay if I have to I can cut stuff out but sure. like it's don't okay. worry about it um, where was I. Uh, um, talking about Shadow of War. Yeah. So yeah, the current the current game I'm, I'm waiting on is uh, Shadow of War. So it's a it's been built as a single player game. The first game was single player. There were some tiny little like interactive stuff, like you you know like it, it there was no like direct inter- interaction with other players, but like stuff that happened to other players could like have a tiny little effect on your game. Okay. Like you uh, in in Shadow of Mordor, you fight these like orc captains. Then and then like you know, if they kill you, they they gain rank and then get a little bit stronger and stuff like that. And yeah, you yeah. Come back and take revenge on them and stuff. That's the whole. That's the big gimmick on it. Um, and so like if you had friends on your Xbox or your Steam account or something like that, and they died to a captain that captain could come to your game and you can like you can take revenge on them for him like it was called a vendetta interesting uh, mission and it was just a little thing so like it'd be like oh like oh my buddy got killed by this captain you go and start this mission and you fight that captain it can kill him and then you get like some bonus xp for it or something like that so that was the extent of any any like multiplayer sort of aspect to it and that's all anybody really, really expected from Shadow of War until they and like and they've been announcing like feature after feature, edition after edition, and like the game's been looking really good, like really promising to be like a very good next step in the in the game series. Cool. Um, and then they were like, okay, now we are announcing microtransactions. Okay. Which is sort of which is sort of weird for which was sort of weird for a um, a single player game. Yeah. Not many single player games have things like microtransactions and like because the idea with a single player game is it's supposed to you know it's supposed to be balanced for a single player to play it through and like you know like in a single player game like buying a buying buying something that that gives you like a boost or something in the game seems sort of silly like why would you buy something to shorten the game yeah that's a good point um but they then immediately announced or it, or it was it was immediately announced by a gaming news site uh, that uh, they were having, they're having some more like multiplayer sort of thing. So like you would in this in in this game, you take over a fortress and then you can put or you know your orc followers in place to defend it. Sure. And sure. like you defend it from things in this in the single player game, but you can also like basically share that fortress online, and then other people can go and attack it with their force. That's really cool. It is really cool. Like I was like, that makes perfect sense. That's actually that's a no brainer. Of course you do that. That's that's perfect. So it's not like you know, it's not fully multiplayer, but it's a nice little like, hey, check out this cool fort. You know, like I put my best guys and defended it and put yeah. all this defenses into it, and then somebody be like, okay, cool. I think I could take that. You know, but with the microtransactions, you're able to use real money to get um like to get orc followers to get um. Uh, to get loot so like mm-hmm. you can get get like better equipment for your character and then there's they also added in um 
training orders so that you can like kind of because originally in the game was just sort of random like what abilities that the orcs had and then they would like gain strengths and weaknesses as you played and depending on how you fought them and stuff like that which is more so in this game too but they've also added the trading orders which means that you can give them specific traits gotcha um and all of those things in the microtransactions can all be achieved without the 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 real world money okay um, there's like there's like tiers of chests that you can get, and like the first tier is one that you buy with the in-game currency that you're getting by playing missions and sure. just playing the game. And so like you get like you know you get a couple items or whatever, and there's a chance for them to be you know any rare as rare as possible, but a lower chance than the real world ones, or the real money ones. So it's like you're you know you're you're able to get the same stuff. You're just more likely to get, to get the better level stuff if you spend real money. Okay. So and so people are really upset that like it's a pay to win thing, which it technically is. Yeah. But I mean it's it's only an advantage. It's only a time advantage because like any anything that can be done with the money can be done in time with in, in the game yeah now the worry then is uh, the worry with the worry with that is like did they then balance the game to make it way harder and longer hmm. to not use that money that's and, a good question and they have come out and specifically said no okay. we 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 have this game we intend it to be playable offline like this isn't this isn't a game that is required to be online the only thing you're ever required to be online for is like the, you know, the fighting other people's fortresses, the Vendetta missions, and then the real world money stuff. Like in, being, being able to actually get the currency to, to buy the like the, the, the microtransaction stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like all the stuff that are, is got through the microtransactions you can get offline. Okay. So that like if, if, we're, if we're making this game available to play fully online, offline – then it should be balanced such in like such such a way because like, you know, somebody who's not able to afford microtransactions might also not be able to afford a, a, a an internet connection. Good point. Yeah. So you know, like, you know, so they so they're like we balance this for offline play. We balance this so it's a, it's just a game that you can play. It. It's it's gonna have it's gonna, we you know we wanted to have you know some difficulty and to be you know challenging and everything, but it's not, they're not dragging it out just so you have that incentive of like, do I want to spend four hours getting one level or should I just you know buy you know an, an XP boost or whatever? Yeah. So like they've come right out and said that, and of course everyone like. There are the people who are like super, super, super against things like microtransactions that are going like, oh, they're just lying or they're bluffing. And like, of course, they're lying because uh, because Warner Brothers owns them and would fire them if they if they said anything else. And it's like, yeah. you know what? I think like like the the publisher it wants to make money. Yeah, absolutely. They it, are a business. Yeah. And it's like the it's in their best interest for the game to do well. And you don't do that by firing, you know, by firing your your your, you know, developer team for saying something like, you know, for saying something that's I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but so this is this is just the stress that I've been going through because I am a, on a perpetual cycle of waiting for a game. Sure. The, I remember when I, I remember when I was little and 
like a game would be coming out and I'd be so excited for it, like the new Pokemon game or something like that. And yeah. then like, and I'd be like, oh, what if I die? What if I die before <laughs> that game comes out and then I won't be able to play it? Oh, like it's not like what if I die and, and then I'm dead and it's sad. No, it's <laughs> what if I die and can't play this video game? Or what if like a war happens and I and like I can no longer buy the video game because war is going on or something like <laughs> I've that. I've had that thought right? too. It's not like, oh, you know, it's not like, oh, no, war. It's, oh, no, I can't play video games. <laughs> Yeah. And I still have those thoughts. And I just and I like I just within the last couple weeks realized that that is going to happen. Like I will be like in my old age and I will be like odds are I will be waiting for a video game to come out and I'll be like and then I'll like die of old age or whatever. Like, you know, it's like there there is going to be a point in my life where I die before I can play a video game that I'm waiting for. And that was like crap <laughs> you know it's it's definitely that's, making me a look you know look over my life a little bit yeah that's that's a depressing thought <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring everybody down and sorry to take so much time talking about no it's fine i go on so many tangents all the time don't <laughs> sure. worry about it but like i mean i keep i keep thinking about maybe i'll maybe i'll do like a uh, a video game podcast or something like yeah. that i mean there's so many of them and like there's not much i'm gonna say that any hasn't been already said like with with this with this you know in an example like I'm on I'm on the subreddit of for this game mm-hmm. and there's so many people like any any post somebody makes the like immediately there's a comment about you know the the atrocity of microtransactions and how how could they and they're they're ruining a perfectly good game. Yeah. It's like oh and I I could go on and on about I can argue I can argue their points and like they're right to be upset about it. It's fine. Yeah. I like I like I understand that. I understand why they're upset and like I know like everyone knows that that like these things can be wrong, like can ruin a game. Sure. They're not they're not wrong. They're just I don't know. Like but yeah, I could, I could go on and on, but like 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 I you know, on the on the subreddit and like I'm like typing out Paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of a response to somebody who's like who's just being very, they're, they're being very negative and like and like you know they're they're anytime they like they would post their point, and then anytime someone would respond to it, they would you know belittle them and call them a shill and stuff like that and like it's like and so like I was gonna like I I spent like the better part of a morning writing out this like big long response, I never I didn't send it. Like, yeah, it's like, I've, I've I, been there. It's not even and like I was uh, like I, t- I told Skylar, like, I, I just wrote this whole thing and I'm not even going to send it. And she's like, well, at least you got it out. I'm like, it, that doesn't even like <laughs> it's like I, that doesn't even help me. Like, like getting it, getting that out, like doesn't help because it's like it's already like in the time that it took me to make five points. Those five points were posted by somebody else and and then immediately attempted to they attempted to shoot it down too. But yeah like it like it, it like it's gonna make it makes no difference like and like one of the one of the things at the very end of, of the the thing i was typing out was like like this isn't gonna change your mind you're not gonna change anybody else's mind never mind i'm not gonna post this like yeah. it's like this like there's no point like people are set in their ways or and they everyone thinks they're right whether or not they are and like you know everybody can like and everybody can be right in their own way and so like it's just like it's like ah oh, I need to it's like yeah. I was I was really enjoying waiting for this game like I was actually getting into it and like being like wow okay I haven't been excited like super excited about a game in a while and this is sort of fun and then this happened and then like they announced the microtransaction and then like this all this toxicity came and i'm like oh right that's right i hate waiting for video games and i hate being involved in the waiting for video games like 
with like with No Man's Sky, I'd mm-hmm. stayed away from it completely. Yeah. Like I would check in every once in a while. I'd like I'd look at like the front page of their subreddit. And if there if it, if there was like a video or something, I'd I'd watch it. But they were pretty silent for most of it. Mm-hmm. So like there was really really wasn't anything. And that's and I guess that's part of it because like like there are game like there are games where they like they go silent on it for a long time and you don't hear anything about it. Sure. You might not hear about it until like a like three months before it comes out. Yeah. And even that you might only hear like a tiny little bit here or there. With this game, they're being very transparent. Like they're not releasing everything. Like the story, they barely touched on, and like you know, they don't, they haven't, they haven't gone through every little detail. But like they're definitely like rolling out like a new announcement, a new like, hey, there's this cool new thing. Hey, there's this cool new thing. I mean, they're you know, it's it's all it's all part of the marketing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. they've been much more transparent. They have weekly streams. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're taking so much. Hey, time. don't don't worry about it. Seriously, <laughs> I I kind of understand a lot of what you're saying, and um, I'll just say like with No Man's Sky in particular. From the beginning, I No Man's Sky did not look interesting to me. Sure. Between when Spore came, because I remember the a lot of what looked really cool about No Man's Sky also looked really cool about the original Spore. Yeah. Because in the original Spore uh, trailer or gameplay video or whatever, yeah. you got to see that like you could zoom out so far and there was so much out there that you could interact with. Mm-hmm. Between then and No Man's Sky, I have come to realize that procedurally generated games right. are not what I want in a game. Yeah. It, well, it it definitely should not be like the main feature of the game. Like yeah. it, you shouldn't be like, be like, this is this cool new thing. It's like, no, it's a tech. Well, it's. It's been around even before Spore and stuff like that, procedurally procedural generation and stuff like that. It's a great tool. Yeah, it is a great tool to fill in some of the gaps. Right. But you know. but like, if I'm in a huge world that's like, oh, this is all procedurally generated. On one hand, that's really cool because yeah. oh, I can go anywhere. Then on the other hand, I'm like, well, randomly generated stuff isn't inherently interesting. It might be interesting at first, mm-hmm. but after a while, it's like, oh, okay, oh, cool, a cave. Is there anything in that cave? No. Yeah. Procedural means there's a procedure, which means that there is a like there's there's rules to it. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you're not going to get like you're not going to get it completely random. Otherwise, it just wouldn't look good. Right. Right. So like you do like you do see a lot of similarities after a while. Like, yeah. You what, see things that repeat. And... So, I mean, like so if you're if they're just relying on it, then mm-hmm. it's it's just gonna, it's not going to be interesting forever. Yeah. So when when No Man's Sky was coming out and they were like, there's billions of planets you can go to. Okay, number one, there is no way anybody is ever going to see more than I don't know a thousand of those planets. Right. Which, so really, which they did with which they did put in as part of their marketing, like like oh you no one will ever see all of it. Right. You know? So my question is like, why are people getting excited about there's more content than I'll ever be able to see, sure. and then there's more than that. Yeah. Like th- th- <laughs> that that means that is no that is not adding anything to the experience. And then when it's like okay, well that's billions of planets of stuff that is not going to be interesting to me. Like yeah. when I'm playing a Zelda game, when I'm playing Zelda Breath of the Wild and I see a cave, I'm like, holy crap, there's something in that cave that I want. Yeah. Because I know somebody made that cave mm-hmm. and somebody put something in that cave that hopefully you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, you want to know something cool about the the world design in Zelda? Sure. In uh, Breath of the Wild. So they had a bunch of, they had a bunch of testers playing the game mm-hmm. and they had a way to track where everybody was going 
in that game. In like, so, and then they basically overlaid it on the map, like little trails of where everybody was going. Yeah. And so they had that on the map, map and basically found the areas that were not being explored. Yeah. And then they would go in and design something or like put a secret thing there or like a little cave or something there. So like, so like they were basically making it so that every inch of that world had something interesting to that's go really to. That's really cool. So like that's neat. That's like, and that's cool because like they have that data, like using that data and, and you know, it's not just they're like all looking for bugs and seeing mm-hmm. if it's fun. They're like actually using the player data to find out, okay, where's everybody going? Now, where are they not going? Now, what can we put there <laughs> to make them go there so that there's no, there's not an inch of wasted space on this world? And yeah. Like, That's cool. That is pretty cool. But yeah, so just with, with No Man's Sky, I mean, the, I know, I, I know the reasons that people were upset about yeah. it when it came out, but the whole time I'm thinking to myself, like, I wasn't hyped about this game to begin sure. with. So yeah. I'm not surprised when it comes out and for whatever reason, people aren't happy with it because mm-hmm. their their main marketing thing was there's so much to explore. Yeah. And my response is, no, there isn't. It's like, not really. Yeah. And like the game was interesting to me to a point mm-hmm. and I did end up getting it at full cost when it first came out and I played it for, I want to say 20 hours and I yeah. had a decent time. Like, but it did get shallow after a while. It did sort of get like, okay, there's, I mean, it's just going to be more of the same for a while. And that's like, and it's sort of disappointing that these features aren't in there. And, and like the whole, like the, one of the main things people got really upset about was they made it, they made it sound like there there was was multiplayer. There was multiplayer. They made it sound like there was some form of multiplayer, some, something maybe when they're Absolutely was not at all. Sure. And like the only only interaction was if somebody name if somebody discovered something, you could see that they discovered it. Or if they named something, you can see that they named it. It was okay. it's saved. That was it. But they made it, they very much made it sound like you could find somebody. It's just very unlikely because there's so many, you know. Yeah. But then people were like People were spawning, like their first spawn in were spawning on the same planets other people were spawning in on. Mm, you know, okay. in this in this billions and billions of planet size galaxy that the game is supposed to take place in, what are the chances that two people are going to spawn in on the same planet? Oh, apparently pretty good because there were like multiple cases of this yeah. happening. And then when they did, there was no other player there, yeah, I'm like, guessing. I want to say like within a week, within a week of the game release of releasing, I'm not even sure if it was that long. It's like two people were able to go to the same planet at the same time. And nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing. And like, I like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that game not having that. It's just when you, when you say that, yes, but there's just such a small chance that that'll happen. It's just like, you're, 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 you're betting on that never happening. Yeah. And then of course it's going to happen because it's the internet. Sure. Like people are going to find a way. To figures to like to find out that you're lying, you know, like yeah. the, it's just gonna it's just gonna happen. So like somebody is gonna data mine your game and learn every secret you put into it. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, why not just say like, nope, that's not in the that's not in there yet. We you know we don't have great plans to to implement it. It's gonna be a little tricky, but we'll try. And with this new update, they kind of have multiplayer. Okay. It's not much. It it's. I would say that if this was if like if it was at this level at the beginning of the game, people wouldn't would not have been nearly as upset. They'd be like bummed out. 
that it's not like full co-op. Hey, let's adventure together. Sure, sure. Because right now, all it is is if you're on this, if you're on the same planet with somebody and you're in the same area as somebody, you mm-hmm. will see like a little icon where they are. Okay, and I mean that's like, that's better than nothing. Yeah. But and like you can you can't really interact much with them, but I think you can. Like I don't think. I don't even think like if you interact with the world, they see what you do. I think the only things that are that are like shared between worlds are like there's bases now. Like you can build bases. That yeah. was one of their first updates they they put in there. They added like bases and stuff like that. And so like if you build a base and shared it, other people can go to it and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really isn't much interaction beyond that. And like so like even even now they're like I I think people are excited because they've added multiplayer, but it's still not. It's still not what people were expecting yeah. to, to begin with. It's yeah. still not what they were kind of alluding to. And, like, they were being, like, secretive about all this stuff because it's but it's because it's an exploratory game. They want to make sure everyone's exploring and having a good time finding out new things. They don't want to spoil everything. So they right. were like, maybe you'll find somebody. It's such a small chance, though. You know, like, it, it's like, no, you won't find anybody. Like, they could have just said... Nope, that's not in the that's not in the game right now, but it's something we will look at in the future. That's all they had to say. And now if if this was a different game company mm-hmm. that maybe had a track record of <laughs> things like that, uh-huh. then maybe you could give them the benefit of the doubt. One thing that comes to mind, are you you probably not because you haven't beaten Dark Souls 1. Sure. Have I ever told you about in Dark Souls? Have I ever told you about a phenomenon called vagrants? Vagrants. No, I don't I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar. So, when playing the game, there would be times where people would be playing Dark Souls 1. This was not in any of the other Souls games. That people would just be playing Dark Souls 1, even people who had played through the game multiple times. People might have put hundreds of hours into this game. Mm. And they'd be going through an area and see an enemy they had never seen before. Hmm. Every now and then, people would encounter these things. They look kind of like, imagine a ball of darkness with like a white outline mm-hmm. with like crab claws and like weird uh, like spikes or tentacles or eye stalks or something coming off the top of their head. Okay. People would see this weird thing in some weird spot. I'm talking like in a, in a boss room huh? where the boss may have already been killed or like in a spot where it's like a re- just like a really dangerous area. There would just be like these, this weird thing. They would show up once. Sometimes they were super powerful. Sometimes they weren't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you killed them, they would drop really good items. Sometimes they wouldn't. And then if if you died to one, it wouldn't be there the next time. And you might never see one again. Huh. There were lots of people who encountered these things and were like, what the crap is this thing? Well, that's, some guy. That's pretty spooky. And, and uh, the wiki had for a long time no data on them. Yeah. And because of how FromSoft is, there's obviously nothing in the game that right. indicates what they are. Sure. Eventually, some guy using the PS3 version, I don't even think the Steam version was necessarily out yet. So like people weren't even really able to like data mine it yet. Yeah. Some guy did enough experimenting and found out that these things, which later went became uh, called vagrants, mm-hmm. these creatures were created... When a person died in a specific spot in the game while they had a certain amount of humanity on them. So in Dark Souls 1, you have your humanity stat. Uh-huh. When you die, you lose any humanity you lost or that you had. But if you get back to it, you can get it back along with your souls. Yeah. If you ever have more than five humanity on your person and you die and then 
die before getting that humanity back. So if your blood stain has five humanity on it yeah. and you don't retrieve it, it becomes a monster called a vagrant that goes to someone else's game. Oh my. If that person kills them, they get that five humanity or however many humanity, and then it's gone. If it kills them, it goes on to somebody else's game and then somebody else's game and so on and so on. Jeez. Not only that, there is, there there were even, if that happens, there were like two different versions that could spawn. It might be like a good one or a bad one. Okay. I think the good one is easier to kill. The bad one is harder to kill. Mm-hmm. But then there was also two more types of vagrants that could spawn that were not created by um, humanity. These ones were created by if you dropped certain items in the world somewhere. Uh-huh. And then normally if you drop an item and then you die and you come back, it'll be gone. Certain items would instead become a vagrant hmm. and then go to another person's world. And then those had a good version and a bad version too. And then if you killed it, it I think it might drop the item that you dropped or it might just spawn some other rare item or something. Huh. But these were such a weird phenomenon yeah. that were not documented for a long time because they were so rare. Huh. There like I said there are people who have like platinum the game, put hundreds of hours into it and never actually encountered one. Jeez. I personally I think have encountered two. Oh. One of which was in a boss room and I was like there is not supposed to be that enemy in this right. boss room. <laughs> it's like what the heck is this? Another one, you know the archers right before Ornstein and Smo? Sure, yeah. There was somebody who encountered one on the ledge with the archers. Oh, no. <laughs> there, was a, there was a guy on Reddit who was, he had taken it upon himself. He had, there's a glitch you can do to like use up a consumable item without actually using it up. Mm. He did this trick. He would do this thing to give himself a bunch of humanity and then purposely die and then do it again and then purposely die. And so basically he was spawning vagrants <laughs> to go out into the world and attack people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that sounds that sounds exactly like what somebody would do because yeah. like once once you figure out how that works, it's like like there's this there's this cool thing like and I'm gonna take advantage of it as best I can in in some way. Like, right, right. Have fun with it. Now the the point I'm trying to make though is that if a game like if a game came out that FromSoft made, I could see that like weird one in a billion chance or whatever being something that they intended. Yeah, and like if if it never happened to you, but you heard that maybe it could happen. Mm. You might be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But I don't think anybody would have believed that had it not happened in Dark Souls 1. Sure. Before that, I don't think anybody would have given them the benefit of a doubt. Yeah. Like, yeah, with, like, by, like, by the time, like, Dark Souls 3 comes around or something like that, you're, like, you know, like, you're, like, okay, there's, like, like, I can't wait to play this game and I'm going to explore as much as I can, but, like, I'm expecting... There to be something somebody finds like years later, or like mm. like 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 a year after the game is still out, has been out, like somebody still finds something new, right? Because like like and they're just they're really good at doing that and putting putting little things in there, and like I like that because it's like there's always, you know, there's always somebody finding something new. There's um, there was uh, it, this was a while ago, but there was like, I want to say like within the last couple years, like they found a. They found a like a, they found an un, like a previously unknown screen on like the like, I forget what it was like it was like a Street Fighter game or something like that. Okay, it was like a, it was like a, the old arcade cabinet uh, like Street Fighter game or it might have been it might have been a different fighting game or something like that. But it was mm-hmm. basically like if a like if you 
pushed buttons in the right combinations, you would find this screen that was like a like a debug screen or something like that. Okay. That like like that game's been around for for a long time and only recently they found like this they figured out how to find this screen that like nobody had found before. Yeah. Like this mode in the game that nobody knew about before then. So like it's just like it's cool it's cool when stuff like that happens. And it's usually comes it usually comes from like the like the speed run crowd and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh welcome to welcome to talking video games. <laughs> uh with with your with your host gabe and jeff yeah we're over 36 minutes into the episode yeah. we haven't actually started the episode <laughs> so so um yeah why don't, why don't we uh start the episode okay